Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at geconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and try to elevate the conversation. I'm Andrew Peake, and with us today is Jackie Lipinski and Sam Matlock. Hello, on episode, episode 174. One, <laughs> yeah. Episode 174. I'm like, I'm like, I was who's like saying do it? I say Samantha or Sam? I don't know. I do both, and then my brain just melted away. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Good. 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 Happy Thursday. I know. It's 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 good. There's I feel like winter is here or slash autumn for Seattle. It just downpours and today's a, a crazy downpour day. So we're we're just that's in the house I feel like now. that's a trick. All this all you uh what do you call someone from Seattle? Seattle Seattle. Seattleites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, Am I fake like, though? Oh, I've only been here six years. The, it yeah. rains all the time. Yeah. Don't come yeah. out here, please. That is the um, joke. It's like, no, 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 don't live here. We're full. So um, yeah, we, mm-hmm. it's funny. Yeah. Down here in Florida, we rain every day during the summer, but it's For like an hour, 15 minutes, 30 yeah. minutes and it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. Cool. Well, let's get started with story time. Who wants to go first? Me, Jackie. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. I, I can go. I have three quick, quick little stories. Oh so no tomatoes um, this week. No tomatoes. I, They're gone. Yeah, I know. I, I jokingly was like, if anyone can count how many tomatoes we said in that episode, uh, or times we said tomatoes, you will get a $5 from me, but that offer is now <laughs> closed. Please don't Close. tell me. I don't, don't need to know. Me. Yeah. Don't message me. So new story, new builder account, new builder account with marketing. And so recently we started the new DYC marketing strategy in terms of how we build the Google ads and Facebook ads for a builder to try and get them to you know, the ideal numbers of what we wanted to see. And so just, just quick numbers from the first month here is we were able to reduce a builder's digital marketing spend cost by 11% and still increase their website traffic by 26%. So that was just like oh, a fun, nice, fun one. first little like new a double account. I know it was very exciting. Oh. I was like, you know, we started the meeting. I was like, you guys ready for these, these numbers? And they were already checking them. They were aware, but yeah, great, great with excitement and super fun to see people kind of, you know, get it's, excited for their new new numbers once it's we like the initial the before and after is is to me that's the excited that one of the most exciting parts about doing all this is like mm-hmm. like and that's initial. just the first it's been like three weeks, I think. Yeah. So that's like at three weeks in. We still have many months, typically many years many because I feel like no mm-hmm. one no one ever leaves us, which is totally fine. We love all the builders. <laughs> It's always fun to start somewhere new and like, they're just like, oh, that's, that's why people hire you. So oh, it was, it, it was, it. it was fun. And then second one, I'm officially allowed to say this. And if not, I will cut it, but do you convert has a new website? Woo! Nice. Yeah. If you listen to this, finally. Yeah. We bit the bullet much like a lot of home builders and, you know, decided to, to do our own new website off WordPress or we're away from WordPress now. Too many bugs. And we yeah. built our website with O'Neill um, Interactive, which is not their typical website build. No, we're not a builder. So that was fun. <laughs> but we have, for those that are on O'Neill, we have the same back end. Like it's on Homefinity. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, and it's I, I think fun. it'll help everyone. It just helps us understand home builders' websites that function well and how they look and, and flow too. So it's so around the same thing. Great experience. Fun working with them. We'll... If you're listening to this, feel free to go check out check out the new site and give us your feedback and, and send us screenshots of if, if you catch anything. But with any new website, there's there's always trial and error. 
but I feel like it's finally like the secret project I've been working on forever. And now it's yeah, you, it's, you headed that up. So mm-hmm. you deserve like, I don't know, you, you need <laughs> something. <laughs> Everyone else who's, who's managed the new website launch, I'm sure you could feel the pain that, yeah. uh, Jackie went through while the summit was happening, while you were you started mm-hmm. this year with that. So yeah, there's ta- so many tagging so all the blogs, figuring out what needs to be there. Also trying to, you know, figure out how, I don't think we've ever had like, what does do you convert do has always been the biggest question. And we were finally able to answer that with the new website. So, and then third tiny story here, last couple of days, I've just been attending the women in residential construction um, virtual event. And it's just been so, so nice to hear from, I think other women professionals in the industry and, and talking about their experiences and sharing their experiences, because I feel like, you know, in such a obviously male dominated industry, it's always interesting, I think, to see how people fell into or flowed into or how it fit perfectly for other people and how they, you know, really, I I think the people who do stay long-term in the industry, they have such a unique passion and drive for the industry. And it has just been so refreshing, I think, to to hear these stories and and see where people are now and, and how people are seeing, you know, the new younger generation of women who are ending up in, in the field and, and how they're kind of pulling the industry up with them. So just kudos on that to, to putting that together. And, and thanks so much for having me. Um, I, there's still, still another day to go, but so far everything has been, um, just phenomenal. And then I think Sam, you have a fun story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my fiance and I have been shopping for a home our lease is up in July. So we're trying to figure out if we want to buy new or a resale home. And since we've both been in the new home industry, we're leaning towards new. And so we started looking and we came across this one builder who we have known and loved previously. And they're building the same floor plans near us. So we were very excited. And just like any new buyer, I just wanted all my information right away. And I contacted this buyer or this builder and waited two weeks, didn't hear anything. Finally, I reached out to a sales agent I worked with at a different community and I, they had the sales agent's name on the website. So I kind of just guessed his email address and CC'd him Mm -hmm. on my email to this other agent and just asked my questions. Like when are models opening? Are you guys going to pre-sale? Just the typical questions and I kind of mentioned I'm like it's been two weeks I don't know if you guys have an OSC or what's going on but haven't heard anything and so the sales agent got back to me right away and after he answered my questions I got an email from their OSC (laughs) and it was just kind of a blanket email didn't answer any of my questions just asked if I was interested in this product or this product because they're building townhomes and single family homes and that was it (laughs) I was just like sounds like Sounds like the OSC. Yeah, they'd fail our secret shops that we they would fail. Do. Yeah, they might be burnt out. Who <laughs> well, knows? Isn't it, isn't it funny how Not we're always okay, like but... we hear these these fun stories? Uh, I would say fun sarcastically. We hear these interesting stories from builders about how potential buyers like did a workaround or I'm not kidding you. We've heard stories of them climbing over gates and you yourself, Sam, having to go above and beyond just to get answers. And you're like, and I not that you know better. It's just like. I can't believe I'm also having to do these when home builders should be at this higher level. And especially not to say like the crazy rush of the year is over, but it's, you know, the very, very end of October here still at when we're recording this and, and you think they would have a little more time 
to respond, but super funny. I think what some people forget, and Sam, we haven't really talked directly on this. So this is my guess. Your lease ends in July. You probably have to pay a higher rate if you go month to month, if you can go month to month. So you're looking at like, I don't know what your rent is. We're not talking about that, but like you're in, you're in Denver area. So like you're looking like, Hey, this is going to cost me X, Y, Z if I don't have an answer or I need to move on or I need to do something. It's not like, Oh, I just don't know what I want for dinner tonight. It's like, no, this is potentially say if they extend another year, that's a whole 12 month lease times, whatever you're paying per month. And then you're paying a higher price. Like it's a very costly delay if you don't get a response from someone to know what's going on so that you can plan accordingly. Like, yeah. I think that we forget that, like, we just don't know, like I'm here having more empathy and sympathy for the buyer side than the builders. Cause I know things change. There's always moving, moving parts there, but like this could cost a buyer $36,000 if they have to extend their lease a year before they even have a higher price. So that that's a big, just by not knowing the information. So no wonder the urgency that I do the same thing. Like, Hey, I'm just going to drive there out of, I do not care. Yeah, check the website every day. Like you get, get upset. Totally but, understandable. The sales agent was great. He answered my questions right away. And he even told me about the shortages and labor materials. And I was like, I totally get it. Like I'm not one of those people that is gonna hound you. Like I, I get the shortages, I get the material. Like I just want to play in my life. <laughs> I just need to know <laughs> when you guys are gonna start selling. Oh man. Well, I'll jump into my story. Uh, speaking of selling, so I decided my neighbors are crazy. Maybe they think I'm crazy. That's okay too. So in our community, we have 24 houses on one side. And we have 49 houses on the other side. The first home to resell was like six weeks ago. And it went pretty much for asking, but they had a, a nice, like an appropriate asking price. The next home went for sale and it has already had two price drops. Only 10,000 in total. So 5,000 each. They're on their second open house. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. But then am I also thinking like, oh, well, maybe they're priced like that's okay. Like that it doesn't sell within a couple of days. But there's a lot of things wrong, wrong with the home, in my opinion. Like uh, we have little 40 foot lots. This is to that whole row of homes. They back up to each other. So there's zero privacy in the backyard mm-hmm. and they're 40 foot lots. So you have like high neighbors They have a beautiful pool but there's no privacy. So you go in your pool and you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven houses that can just look straight at you. Like, oh, hey, you swimming? Oh, you're in a jacuzzi tonight? Like, how's the water? Is it warm? You know, that's really weird. So there's a lot of things to kind of take away from that price. Well, today I got the notification because I have a little circle with Zillow, like with our community. So I could always be on top of if there's new homes for sale. Someone listed a home for $7.75. And so what did the first house sell for? And then the what? first one sold for 525 a couple months ago, but that one sold for by the builder a little over 400 in 2019. So okay. kind of seems okay. The second one is listed at 660, has a pool. That one originally sold by the builder a little over 400 as well. This one listed at 775 today, sold for 425 in December of 2019. So it closed for that. So what, you know, they signed in January, February of 2019. So I'm like, that is, that is insanity. Like almost 800,000. And yeah, so I, I don't know. I've not gotten the Kevin approval or Jackie approval on this, but I think this would be a fun game of doing like a competitive analysis. Like pretend that these two homes are your homes you have to sell. What should they end up selling for? So I kind of go to is like, what should we list it for? What should we sell for? I think these prices are crazy, but I know the area. So it's not fair for me to like do it, but interesting to see 
if someone wants to, well, we'll have to make a post, obviously, find out like, okay, here's what they should list for. We'll have to do it soon because Windows maybe will sell over the weekend. Not the one for 775. I think they're nuts. Even though it's a nice, beautiful home, but like it was 400,000 two years ago. That makes no sense. Well, um, yeah, I think I think do a post, give give a bunch as much context as possible. Context. And then yeah, we'll throw we'll, a giveaway. We'll send a giveaway. We have we have swag so we got, now. We do have some swag. So there, there could be two winners. Or you get two things if it's the same person that wins. Yeah, definitely a shirt. And then we're getting some really cool cups made, some coffee mugs. I think that we could throw that in the mix. Kevin, thank you for the approval. This has been great. <laughs> we'll <laughs> do that. Know. Yeah, it'd be fun. I think they're I think they're absolutely crazy, but it'd be amazing if they sold for that much, but I just don't I just don't see it. We'll find out. Yeah, I wonder how long it's gonna sit. Yeah, mm, I know. It's just I feel like once you go above a certain price, the expectations are completely different. And those homes to me don't meet that expectation of like, oh, that's almost well, an eight hundred thousand dollar home. Yeah, and I think for some reason, I don't know if this escapes homeowners specifically. Builders are clearly aware the higher the price point, the smaller the bucket of buyers you have available to you. And so they still like the second buyer who's selling their house. I think that they probably thought it was going to fly off the market, but they have to realize from the four months of the first house selling or whatever the time frame was to the second house going up for sale, no one could have saved a hundred grand of difference between the houses. And so if yeah. they are doing the comps, they're going to see that first house that sold and go, I, I, I just honestly think that's, that's again, but again, apples to in our area, it's not like, land. it's not like Seattle. Like we're kind of like normal wages. Like we're probably comparable where I'm at in Tampa to Columbus or Atlanta or parts of Texas. Like we're not like, there's not a bunch of tech jobs down here that are high six mm-hmm. figures and plus like it's, it's still a good area to, to live and, and work and everything. But yeah, that's 800,000 is still quite I a bit. And then you're like, I could be close loop. to the, I could be close to the water or on the water for close to 800K. So we'll see. Yeah. It'll be a fun game. Do some giveaway type of thing or something. Yeah. And then we have our other fun, little, slightly exciting news. We are growing once again as a company. We are growing, always growing. Yeah. We are looking for, and I think, yeah, by the time this is out, Kevin will share something on LinkedIn and Facebook. Looking for a search engine marketing specialist. They'll get to work alongside me, which is super excited. And they just get to nerd out behind the scenes doing pretty much Google ads all day, every day. So if that is your thing, or you know someone, home building experience is not required, which is, this is, I think, the only time we've ever said that on a a job listing here at Do You Convert. Yeah. Yeah. We will teach you our ways. We will teach you our ways. Yes, we Yes, we will. It'll be so much fun. I'm looking forward to it. Just want to find the right person. Yeah. Like everyone, I think it's kind of yeah, just the qualified and, and finding role. So we haven't necessarily, like we said, publicly put it out as the first digital announcement. There'll probably be a post already by the time this uh, goes live. Yep. Okay. And then we also have a few spots left with the online sales academy, which I think you, people might have the assumption that is for only for brand new OSCs. I actually attended the online sales academy in January 2020, right before COVID pandemic really went mainstream. That's not a good word. That sounds terrible. But it was like, did you wear a mask on the plane? Like it was like, I saw a couple people. It was still like that early time. So this is a year and a half ago. To me, it is for someone who wants to elevate and make more money as an online sales concierge, counselor, specialist, whatever the job position title that you have. It is really A to Z, like everything dumped from Mike's brain and Jen's brain 
in this super cohesive format. If you know Mike, he is extremely organized and like mm -hmm. every I is dotted, every T is crossed, all that. And then there's eight weeks support afterwards, live Zoom meetings with Jen, Mike, Jesse. I'm not sure the exact setup on there. I'm, I, I believe it's rotated, but it's not like pre-recorded course or something like you get the, is it two or three days virtual with them? Yeah, three and then days virtual. Mm -hmm. Three days virtual. And then every week, eight weeks and then there's a Facebook group and all that so it's yeah it's quite a bit of support like I would when I left and I was I'm not an online I'm not an online sales but I was like oh like even from the marketing side I'm like there's definitely we need like a light version of that for marketers I feel like maybe or I don't know they could somehow tag in for like an hour because I got a lot out of it being just from the marketing side so obviously if, you're, if that is your job like I don't see how you would not make more appointments make more um, yeah, it's, it's definitely the blueprint attending. for success. And, and what's funny yeah. is recently, just sometimes it comes up in conversation. We're like, huh, I wonder how many, how many award winners have we had? How many total online sales professionals have we trained? And I think actually, I know Jen and Mike, the total quantifiable number of people trained through the fast start program was over 700 online sales specialists. And then, yeah. And then over 20 award winners, I think it's still a little 21 might be great, um, but but it's at least over 20. So individuals and teams. So like, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And then all day, every day, that's what Mike, Mike, Jen, Jesse, Amanda are doing, working with online sales teams. So, you know, it is going, it, it is great. It's, a, it's yeah. awesome. If you're a newbie on your team, it's a really good opportunity, I think, to just ramp them up and, and get them fast yep. started for the yep. 2022 year. So, Or if awesome. someone hasn't had formal training yet on online sales. So Perfect. Well, move on to the news. What do we think? Let's do it. Let's do it. This first one from the American Marketing Association. This feels very, very formal, but it's great. AMA.org. When human-like chatbots miss the mark in customer service interactions. So this article really is a study of, if you have a chatbot, do you say this is a chatbot, not a human, or do you try to trick the consumer that the chatbot you have is in fact a human? I think this is like an amazing article because... I'll, I'll give the, the end result is if you have a chatbot, you really should be very clear that this is not a real person and it's not a replacing a real person. And then the ex experience with that, the expectations lowered from the person that's using the chatbot. And then they're actually happier with the outcome because they're like, why isn't Robin being nice to me? Like what the heck? Or there's terrible answers. And it's like, oh my goodness, this company trying to trick me. Like, I know this is a bot. Like, come on. What yeah. did y'all get out of this? Yeah, the, the sentence of if the customer is not angry, assign a human-like chat box. If the customer is angry, non-human chat box, because they can basically see through the, the BS that is the chat box. And I, I think it also goes along with, you know, if you're ever on hold and you're just like, I want, I'm, I'm frustrated, I have a very specific problem and you just keep hitting zero to try and talk to someone, I feel like it's almost to that level of just needing to be heard when you have specific, unique issues that you feel like someone can't. Solve. So just, I think always having an option. And, and I know for a lot of builders, and, and we could talk about this more too, Andrew, is like when we get asked if I do have a chatbot, when is the best time or how do I best implement that chatbot? And what is That's the best way to use it, a chatbot? And one thing we like to tell builders is to kind of ease into it. Obviously, I think an after hours chatbot, you can turn it on at a specific time when your online sales team or someone who quickly can't respond to answers is unavailable but keep it like this, keep it almost robotic and less human. So people mm -hmm. don't assume they are talking to a person, but then also after that first engagement, 
one step you should always add. And I know a few years back, there was a builder who was like, oh, we don't do this. And everyone in the room like gasped where it's you, it's a section that says, Hey, you know, in case we get disconnected, can we get your name and phone number or email or contact information? Because you, you still need to utilize that chat box as a way to collect leads and people who are interested in, in your website and not waste your team's time if they if they do get connected and have i would just box. not start with that component like let it be like not the first like i i pulled up a uh a builder and i like how they have it they have their i don't know if i want to say their name or not but they just yeah okay they call builder it the fish, they call the, the yeah builder bot so they have their builder name and it says bot and then even the icon is a robot so immediately my expectations are like oh this is just a bot if they answer my questions it answers but if not like Okay, they try to help, but then when you're building it, I don't think that is your first question. Like, hey, in case we get disconnected, mm -mm. do this, do it like three or four down or something where it's interjected in there where they, they get some usefulness and like, okay, sure, this makes sense to uh, hand that over. But the, before I would put a builder bot, a chat bot on the site, I would definitely look and see if you have the capacity and need to make any adjustments. Like. And this is kind of the same topic as thinking about when to use landing pages or not. If you're already overwhelmed and then you add an additional leads into the mix with your builder bot, with your chat bot, that could then just have this other pile of like things you're just never not, you're never going to you're get never to. caught up on. And mm -hmm. these people that have this expectation of you reaching back out to them and then you don't. And then more than likely, if they're like Sam and they're like, hey, I have some urgency here. They're going to come back anyways, but now they're upset because they left their information with, with the builder bot. And now they're trying to find a workaround. They're like, what the heck? I went through the chat, went through this and no one talked to me. So it's like, yeah, it's definitely in balance. It'd almost be better to just, in my opinion, not have the bot on there. If you're overwhelmed and fix what is causing that, which could be like, if you're overutilizing landing pages and there's tons and tons of leads coming in because they convert so well. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just think about that before you add like, you double your leads from, from chatbot leads. And then in terms of implementing for new builders, would you recommend that this only be a high priority if they're not getting enough leads on their website and they cannot, if, yes, like you said, or if they're overwhelmed, no, if you feel like you need more opportunities to talk to potential leads, this is yeah, a, a it, great it could, experiment. It could definitely go both ways. And there's so many, it's like, I don't know, my brain works like in a flow chart, like Online sales needs time off. So if you have a single person online sales team and they're off whatever times they are, like, perfect. Let's have the chat bot in place definitely during those times. If you have a multi-team setup, I think it'd be, we'd all agree that we'd rather the online sales team have the conversation versus having given people the option to go through the chat bot if online sales has the bandwidth. So it's almost like going through these things. We prioritize humans first, and then if the chat bot is in there, make sure people know it is quote builder bot, which that should be the name of like a, a company or something. Let's do it. Yeah. That's a fun one. That's a fun one. And then next one here from Mike DP, I buy in his hard Zillow pauses, new purchases. This one was pretty popular. So Mike Del Prete, am I pronouncing his name correctly? I'm not sure, but he follows all the I buying. He has a really great email newsletter that he puts out. And then, then he does webinars on I buying. They're paid webinars. They're quite a bit. It's made for investors. But essentially, this this quick one is on Zillow. They did pause for new purchases, but not before they actually exceeded everyone else, OfferPad, OpenDoor, and doing iBuying in Q3, like substantially more. 
So there's no outcome from this that we're talking about other than it's interesting that Zillow went all in in uh, Q3 and then they completely paused. So it's almost like my assumption is they overwhelmed their system somehow and without getting into, I, I have no idea, will they make money or not make money on it? What would the margins be? That's not what I'm thinking about. It's just their, their processes. They found like their upper limit of like, oh, we need to sell these and now we have to fix the rest of the, the thing. But it, yeah, it is interesting, especially because I've seen some Zillow owned homes down this way where I'm at in Tampa, and they definitely tend to email those out more. Of course, I'm on Zillow all the time, so I probably, you know, I'm doing whatever marketing automation triggers to get the emails. But it's interesting going like, oh, this one's owned by Zillow. It has a little, it's almost like the little blue check mark, except on their platform in there. So it'll be interesting to see if there's a whole mess of those start to get listed where I'm at, at least, because they, they did quite a few buying down this way. Yeah. And I, I think the biggest summary that he puts at the, the end of the article is just like, remember, you know, even with all of this data, Zillow couldn't necessarily like, no one has necessarily mastered this and all of these companies are still learning and it's an inc incredibly difficult business to scale. And that's just what they ran into. And so we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out and see if they, they make adjustments or changes for, for 2022. And if, when they, they restart. Yeah. I mean, they're essentially flipping houses and I, I'm, I'm sure we all know someone who's a real estate investor, whether they're small or I'm the, the biggest one I know personally, he has, he does Airbnb. They have close to hundred homes right now or hundred doors, not necessarily individual homes. But each house is, the analysis is hours and hours and hours. So Zillow is trying to do this at scale in all these different markets. Like it's definitely a challenge. And then for that individual, and I'm sure other investors that we know, if they can't flip it, then they'll just keep it. But Zillow doesn't want to keep it. So it's like they want, they need to flip it. So they don't, they don't have that option there if the numbers don't make sense to get rid of it very quickly. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting to watch that. All right, the next one from Builder Online, Lennar plans neighborhood of 3D printed homes with Icon. So it breaks ground in 2022 and it'll be a hundred home community, all 3D printed. I think this is super cool. What do y'all think? I feel like we we always have these articles about 3D printed homes and, and now with just such such scale and I think with more traction building behind it. It's I it's gonna be very interesting, I think, to see how how well it takes on. I know it sounds like they're trying to solve the affordable housing concern that that's floating around. And so it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah, global housing crisis with technology to work is, is how they reference it in the article. Yeah, where are they at? I'm trying to find what what where the community will be in. I thought it was Texas. Was it Texas? Okay. Texas sounds right. Everything's so. in Texas. Everything is. I think it's interesting. If they're better homes, they are. I think everyone's seen like it's like a tube of toothpaste and you're making layers and layers and layers on it. Some people don't like the look. I think you can kind of mask over the look where it's not like the layers. But if that's just what the world comes to and this is how you build homes, it's like it is what it is. So I don't, I'm indifferent to it. I was watching a documentary yesterday of just couples also prefabricating offsite construction of their houses and then assembling it on site. So I just feel like the future of housing is is getting really creative, I think, to solve problems. And, and luckily there are um, multiple options that are available that can that can help cut costs of houses and, and hopefully create more affordable options. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I and I this I wish I had more time in the day to learn more, more about this. I'm down here in Florida by the water tons and tons of block construction and watching those guys work like they go up quick and you're like oh well there's the house now <laughs> that's interesting of course then you need humans you need labor versus this 
if eventually it gets to scale where you're like, oh, that house will be printed in a week and there's two people on site overseeing the thing. You're like, oh, and it's perfect. It, yeah, that's really interesting to see. But I don't know. Now it'll be interesting to see like block construction versus 3D printing, the cost analysis on it. Um, I'm sure block is still cheaper, but over time, that is the goal to, you know, to make it more efficient and less costly. Yeah, yeah 100, to watch 100 home community. That's exciting. I know. I want to go see it. Yeah, I want to see what they look like. Because I, I think the problem is, you know, the anticipation too of like, here's a one-off house in this area. I, I think just building the confidence that this large section is also following the same suit will help with that. Definitely. But we also just got a slack for breaking news. Oh man, Facebook has at? changed its name to Meta. Oh, for Obviously, the metaverse. For the metaverse. We have well, there you go. Stories. There we go. Yeah. Facebook is now, ago. is now Meta. I will definitely need to read more on this, but I feel like I have to assume, is this like Google and Alphabet? Like Meta is the parent company of- I, I feel like that is the assumption. I don't necessarily think they're, they are changing the name, but at the same time, the next article we were going to talk about from The Verge, this title is Facebook says it's refocusing company on serving young adults. So expect changes to, to Facebook as well as Instagram highlight reels. And so I feel like so there's, there's probably a lot of subtle- Subtle changes happening here. I know that another breaking news story that came out recently was that, and we checked, it's not on a few accounts, it's still rolling out this week, that every Instagram account should hypothetically have the link buttons versus people who only have 10,000 followers. And so that's going to be a very exciting way to to test and see how that works and and just see then if the stories and reels are more utilized. Yeah, that's interesting. I think... And so this article from The Verge, you know, mm-hmm. it's titled Facebook's Lost Generation, the world's largest social network, is internally grappling with an existential crisis and aging user base. And there's this quote on here is, most young adults perceive Facebook as a place for people in their 40s and 50s. Young adults perceive content as boring, misleading, and negative. They often have to get past irrelevant content to get what matters. It added that they have a wide range of negative associations with Facebook, including privacy concerns impacting their well-being along with low awareness of relevant services. I think the last part is just garbage and really it's the first it's the first two. Facebook has a place for people in their 40s and 50s. I think most young people, the youngest person that I will reference is my little sister who just got married a few months ago. She's 22. So is she little? I don't know. She's little. She's young. When we talk about marketing stuff because she's kind of interested, I agree with everything she says. It's people, I want to use a bad word, but I don't use bad words, but it's people complaining typically on Facebook is what she sees on her feed. Now, every feed is personalized, so it's like what you're seeing, but in general, it is, there's a lot more negativity from my experience on Facebook. People either sharing politics way too much on there or just, it's just like, which I kind of feel the same with Twitter is people try to one up each other with cleverness in 140 characters but it's yeah it's it's more of a i think it's a culture issue of what facebook is versus hey if we put reels on facebook that will get the young kids over here no like it's still those reels came from tiktok those reels came from instagram like it's not from facebook it's nothing it's not native to facebook it's like the knockoff version of these other platforms where people are so I'm like, I don't think this is going to fix anything. Um, and this article, which which I didn't want to give the the author a hard time because everything is great up until the very end where they do give, and I'm just saying this just in case people go down to the bottom. Essentially, the author gives this, this uh, teens are increasingly flocking to more immersive social game platforms like Fortnite or Roblox, which I read that. I'm like, 
my nine-year-old plays Fortnite. That's like his life. And Roblox, it's all, there's a disconnect there of like, that's not where they are. I think they're trying to summarize people in, into too specific of a bucket right there at the yes, end. I, I think I more agree. what they're alluding to at the, the next couple sentences is it's just talking about like the younger generation, just instead of just posts, they have more interest in exploratory worlds. And that's where Facebook is trying to solve the problem with you know the metaverse and being meta. Yeah. And now that they are trying to do um, more Oculus um, related content, I think they're, they're just trying to compete with um, just gamification of life almost is, is what's going to be happening. And yeah, like uh, second life. If you remember that way back in the day, I don't remember um, second life, but I, I think back to that movie, made a um, second life, essentially it's super nerdy <laughs> stuff. I think yeah. one thing that they're missing is kids don't want a kids parent, uh, teen. So I don't even know what age group they're qualifying as a teen. I'd say early twenties and then beneath you typically don't want to be where your parents are. Like if you want to post something on Facebook and then your dad or mother or whoever just shared like, oh, here's my crock pot recipe. I'm cooking Friday night for dinner. I'm like, uh, no, like you don't, you don't want to be around well, that. And that's, and probably, right? I don't, that's the issue. Well, that's like, what the rebrand is for. That's the meta. That's the metaverse. They're, meta. they're kind of saying, it's, we understand what Facebook is morphing into. And I mean, you can only use an Oculus with a Facebook account, correct? You need a Facebook account. I've, I have an Oculus Go. I, it's not the newest one, but it's, yeah, that, maybe I need to get the newest one. It's still too clunky to enjoy. Well, we'll let home builders know when they need to jump on the metaverse. And They do, uh, which is, to... yeah, my, my perspective on that is that's Mark Zuckerberg trying to go above social networks. Mm -hmm. Like that is the future, this metaverse, not, so like say the Builder Show in 2022 or say 2026, there's the metaverse ticket or there's the in-person ticket. And then the metaverse ticket is set up in a way that you could attend everything and interact with people in the metaverse just as you would in person. And here's the ticket price. Or you could go like the, I forget that, what's the name of it? Women, professional women, residential construction. I'm saying all the right words, but what's the actual phrase? I can't remember. Wait, See, no don't even either. It's too, but we all know what we're talking about. Like you could attend that. Women in it's, residential construction virtual event. This, there we yeah. go. So many words for me to remember. Instead of it being like a Zoom, well, I'm not sure what platform, Zoom link, you could put on your Oculus or whatever product it is at that time. I'd be Oculus something. And then you could look to your left and right, like, oh, I'm sitting next to this person and I'm sitting next to this person. And now I want to travel over here and be with this person, enter your own conversations. To me, that's what I, I believe that Facebook is going towards above social. But then social then connects to that. Yeah, it's all. It's the metaverse. Super. Like I feel like one. Yeah, yes, I always ready think Ready Player One. <laughs> Movies like a bit Marvel. cheesy, but the the idea is is creative. The idea is there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And or the feed on Amazon that it kind of started. If you watch that, similar similar deal. It feel it all feels like a Black Mirror episode. If, mm. if everyone remembers that show. And let's see. I think yeah, that was all the news, wasn't it? That is what? it for this week, man. No questions of the week either. Well, actually, the question well, of the week will be the competitive analysis. Perfect timing. We'll, we'll probably do it in like November. Um, that way people have some, maybe we'll have a little spare time. But we need to do it before the home sell. So let's say next week we'll get that posted up. And if you've waited this long into the episode, Andrew would like to make a special announcement for you for a special series. Oh, a special series. coming oh, your way. Man. I'm so humble. I don't like talking about so this project has been going on for so long. 
It is the Builder Marketers Visual Content Series. I probably didn't even say the name correctly on there, but Visual Content Series. It is going to be, or it is rather, a series of videos from video content specialists in the home building industry. So some guests on there are Ryan Snar from Destination Home, Shane Austin from Abrazo Homes, John Sherman, Video City Productions, you see him everywhere. And then I have a lineup of more and more and more content. So just those three guests alone is about four and a half, five hours of content talking about, should you do video? Should you make video? Should a vendor make video? So all those very basic, we have our video budget for next year, we wanna go all in. Let's get the big questions out of the way and that all the way down to, so Shane Austin is the video content creator at Abrazo Homes. He has the camera in his hand. He's doing the recording. He's doing the editing, everything. Whereas Ryan, he is creative director. He is working with vendors and freelancers on every aspect of the video, but he gives them a lot of control, but then he also wants a lot of control over the video. So you both, everyone involved in there has, has done amazing video content. And I think it's it's it will be a necessary for moving forward, especially the quantity and quality expectations, thinking about like, they, we just talked about Facebook, like if you're on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, video kind of runs the feed, even though there's pictures on there. And this is, I don't want to go down an alley, but I have to sideways here, even though ad performance for videos is typically lower, but on the other side, people remember videos. They don't remember pictures. So video is super important. So yeah, there'll be, there'll be a link probably with this episode, sign up. Those will be episodes. We're kind of running it as a drop, um, if you're familiar with the term. So you sign up now. The exact date will be super, super soon by the time this comes out. Actually, it might be right now. Um, but then the videos will drop each each week. And we'll email those out to you. Yeah. So again, it's the the goal of the, the video content series that Andrew has created is was sprung from the idea that you presented at the summit. And it's mm-hmm. to help create effective video content for home builders and give them guidance and, and different aspects of creating better videos to, yeah. to educate, inspire, Super and then fun. motivate their potential buyers. So kudos, Andrew. I know it was a huge project. I feel like we both get announced our, our big secret projects. For, and we, it's kind of for months, the fun so. part, like neither of them are done. <laughs> Like the website still <laughs> like it launches and like other stuff to do. And then the video, the initial drops are done. But then as soon as, you know, this is just marketer, marketer talk, all of us in marketing, I have the videos ready to go, but then I know I need video five, six, seven, eight. So I have to start getting those on the schedule, edited, recorded, all that sort of thing. Get the guests lined up. Even They know who they are. Chan, Chan, are if I talk about video with you, you are going to be a guest. Yeah. I think also every marketer knows that our job never stops. You, never stops. you're just it's a, it's just a constant of of improving and improving on your skill and 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 learning and also discovering what what's needed and what's next. So kudos, Andrew. I watched a lot of those videos and and just a phenomenal job. So everyone, feel free to um, check out the link and sign up to get notified when those go out. And thanks so much for all of those people who are able to to be on the videos and yeah. agree to be your they gave so manager. much time it was crazy i'm like super appreciated i'm gonna send you starbucks gift card or something i don't know <laughs> something a free shirt there you go awesome. perfect well that is it for this week for published articles blog posts videos and more check out deconvert.com it's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on facebook instagram linkedin and everywhere else we are online See thanks ya. everyone bye bye